we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. We want them talking trash to Goliath. We want them building a boat and collecting animals. Everybody thinks they're crazy, and they are. I'm your huckleberry. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Behold, a pale horse. The man who sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. Can you read, my son? Well, that depends. Can you go fight in the shade? Repent or perish. You know your places. God be with you all. All for all and one for one, then, I guess. Stone Mountain Media. Ale to the King. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Stone Mountain Media. I'm Sean, coming to you from normally sunny, but right now dark, San Diego. Here with Dave. How you doing, Dave? Doing well. Are you also experiencing this odd weather pattern called nighttime? Yeah. Still trying to figure it out. Interesting. I'm sitting in the uh, bed of my truck looking up at a beautiful desert starry night. Nice. Yeah. Sounds very romantic. Uh, It is. I am a romantic guy. (laughs) So I hear. (laughs) Play a play So Dave, any uh any stories from work this week you wanted to share on the podcast before we jump into a topic I wanted to talk about today? Um most of my stories this week aren't shareable. But uh I got uh I got a new kid got a new kid in class. He was right on the edge of being able to be in my grade or the year uh, the grade below. They, they moved him up into my grade, so he's now the youngest uh, boy. So all my, all my male students are young men. He's, uh, he's still a boy, an older boy. So you got, you got a marked difference there. And so it's been fun to see even my rambunctious young men uh, in their rambunctious ways uh you know take him in as a younger brother you know kind of picking on him but also you know making sure he's staying afloat and whatnot and you know i i try to be the hardest teacher in school never thought i would well yeah growing up i didn't think i'd be that guy but i i very self-consciously try to be the hardest teacher at the school and on the regular we'll ask certain questions to gauge if I'm successful at that, you know, but I could tell he was adjusting to a ramp up of expectations without any kind of, any kind of buildup. He just dropped in my class and it was go, you know, I expect the same thing of you expect, expect of everyone else. And there was a, he was complaining about something and I went off on this Bob Knight type about the fact that uh, my job is to make him a man and the only way made a man is to pass through the forge. Welcome to the forge. The way you change in the forge is go through the fire. You're in the fire now. You're mine. And uh, I think you responded well to it. So I'm looking forward to having him the rest of the year. Sounds great. I'm inspired. 
Yeah, I don't think my girls know what to do with that, but all my boys are are in it to win it. <laughs> my girls are like, ah, I guess we're just going to have to put up with another day of Mr. Birch's class. My boys are like, yes, the forge! <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> hey, oh, so uh, so I thought today we could talk about uh, we could talk about good old fashioned forgiveness. Hey, I I can I throw one more encouragement from school? Yeah, absolutely. I love school encouragements. Yeah, just last thing. One of my guys, uh, video gamer kind of guy. Okay, you know all the stereotypes. Like you, he, uh, yeah, he's applying for a job. Good for him. I'm stoked. He's applying for a job. It's just such a such a great step of uh, just masculine responsibility. So is he going to test I, video games? <laughs> no, he's he's found he's finding an entry level job at a local restaurant after school, and uh, it's great because he heard counsel and and is taking it. And uh, you know, you can tell he's hungry to be pushed in the right direction, and then he responds by actually taking steps in that direction. So. He is uh, a deep encouragement to me. Yeah, can't ask for uh, much more than that. Yeah. Anyway, that was my my last thing. Cool. Well, I thought tonight we could talk a little bit about forgiveness, the nature of it, uh, who it's for, uh, that kind of thing. So I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna pose a question, uh, and I want a brief answer from you on the front end, and then we'll flesh it out more moving on all right i'll put more in the back end if you catch my drift <laughs> i should have known better you <laughs> <laughs> uh all right here's the question dave yeah do we forgive others must we forgive others when uh, they do not ask for forgiveness no okay i'm gonna read a scripture and then I want you to, to interact with that and uh, try to flesh this out a little bit more for me. Because I think it's fair to say, uh, tell me if you agree, that in uh, modern church today, uh, we're taught that uh, our duty as Christians is to forgive. You know, you think of uh, you think of the court case where something atrocious happened to a woman and she faces her uh, perpetrator and she comes into the courtroom and she's a Christian and so... One of the first things she does when she opens her mouth is she tells this man or this woman, I forgive you for the wrong that has been committed against me. Or maybe, you know, a family member is murdered. And then you have this, you know, this mother whose son was just murdered standing before the murderer saying, I forgive you for this murder, though there was no repentance. There was no forgiveness sought for. And I think that yeah, you remember back in the day, uh, the Dylan Roof incident where he walked into the the black Methodist church and went through an entire prayer meeting with the church and then stood up at the end and then shot a bunch of the, the parishioners. Yes, I do. Vaguely. Yeah. So when he then was on trial and, you know, I don't have all the details uh, in mind, but he was only present through uh, like a video screen, but he could see what was happening in court and people in court could see him and family members of those he had shot. I, I remember this very clearly they forgave him you know tearfully and that's 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 powerful whatever whatever i'm going to argue theologically tonight that's powerful right you know that people and it's certainly uh it shakes people up in a way of you know i don't understand that right and that uh, it does not 
Yeah, and that's because there's something that the person saying, I forgive you, is, I think, attempting to communicate the same thing that we would want to communicate in that time, whether or not we would communicate it in that way. Yeah. So I think we'll we'll seek to flesh that out moving forward. I'm going to read a, a scripture text if you're cool with that. If you Would you agree, though, that's kind of a that's a, a fair assessment of the modern church, even in reform circles, not speaking just of, uh, you know, like unfaithful churches or anything like that. Just talking about broad church oh. in America. Uh, you are to forgive uh, all people their wrongs when they when they wrong you. And the logic goes, you know, this is in light of the fact that we have freely received forgiveness. Therefore, we're not allowed to withhold forgiveness from anyone, period. Uh, yeah. And whenever you want it, you know, there's a, a scripture reference that James White doesn't think is Bible, but uh, I think is Bible that goes, that, that seems to uh, advance that position. So it actually goes against my no. It seems to go against my no. So Let's you know, get there. it's Let's not get out there at the end. Yeah. I, I've got, I've got really good respected friends that would say what you just said, you know, right. Hold up that example as an ideal. That's certainly how I've been taught as well. So along those lines, Matthew chapter six, verses 14 and 15 say, for if ye forgive men, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Yeah. So you have a you have a dynamic there that if you withhold forgiveness from men, then God will withhold forgiveness from you. So what would be your response to that? Because it sounds like you're you're pushing against this idea. Uh, is there a, a piece that is missing in the discussion at this point? Well, yes, I agree with the passage that's good that makes sense seems like a good yeah, thing to do and, uh you know an illustration you know, I, this conversation was brought the topic was brought up recently uh with some of my friends and uh a pair the parable was cited where you know one man is forgiven a great debt by a king and right uh he then turns around and refuses to forgive a far lesser debt uh, from from those who owed him, and uh, so then you see him dragged before the king and, and thrown into jail for his refusal to forgive. And the the component illustration that I think rightly or helpfully illustrates the passage you just read uh, is that one man sought forgiveness for a debt he could not pay and received it abundant forgiveness. And would not give forgiveness when it was sought from him, you know, by an offender of a much lesser offense. The, the component there that maybe you picked up on was forgiveness was sought. God, so we're expected to forgive as Christians because God has forgiven right. us. And how can we claim to know forgiveness of uh, immense sin, our great sin against him, forgiven by him? the infinite God we've offended. Uh, how can we claim to know that forgiveness for ourselves if we uh, are those who, who just can't forgive offenses to us? And no matter what's been done to us, it is far less heinous. No matter what's been done to us, far less heinous, not even comparable to what we've done against God because of how great God is and how small we are. We are a vapor. We're worms. We're of the dust of ribs. And... Um, 
God will not give us that forgiveness unless we actually confess our sins and seek it. We only receive forgiveness from God. He doesn't just forgive us. He forgives us when we ask him to, when we confess our sins, when we agree with him, with his assessment about our wrong, and then ask him for what we don't deserve. And so as our forgiveness is to parallel him, it's to parallel his forgiveness all the way through. Someone must agree with me about the wrong for me to give him forgiveness he does not deserve for that wrong. That's right. Yeah, Proverbs 28, 13, to summarize, uh, our duty as Christians, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. If we want mercy from God, we need to confess and forsake our sin. Uh, if we seek to cover it, uh, then we'll not be found to have mercy. Uh, and part of that's because we're, like you said, we're, uh, we're declaring that to be before the Holy God in his favor requires a covering for all sin. We cannot go to him with, with sin uncovered. It needs to be covered uh, by the blood of his son uh, if we're to, to come before him and have, uh, have favor and not judgment. Yeah, and uh, – uh, oh, shoot. I just got distracted by my neighbor. Oh, okay. If, if someone sins against me and refuses to repent, and, and in, in my argument I'm saying I do not owe that man forgiveness unless he seeks my forgiveness, and then I do owe it no matter how, how great his sin is against me. Right. That's – uh, not forgiving is not the same thing as harboring bitterness. Right. Which is which right? is what, so which I, is what, what of... I'm talking about when we talk about communicating the same thing that, that those people in the courtroom are trying to communicate when they say that they forgive the person who had done that great wrong yeah. against them. Yeah, unpack that. Sure. So uh, first I want to read real quick before I forget from Luke 17 as an example from Jesus okay. as, as to how to do this. And I'll move into that. Uh, Jesus and, and Luke 17 verses 3 and 4 says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. I'll read that last part again. And rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So Jesus gives the commands, like you said, no matter how grievous the sin is, or how many times the sin is committed, if, if true repentance is sought, you must forgive. That's the command of Jesus. But the command of Jesus very expressly says in both verses three and four that there needs to be repentance sought. And so Christians need to be, you know, in terms of not harboring this bitterness, Christians need to be ready to freely forgive with no stipulations, uh, no, yeah. uh, no conditions for that other than uh, simple acknowledgement of the sin and asking for the forgiveness. No works uh, beyond simply uh, owning the fault and asking for for mercy, and and that that can only come out of a heart like you mentioned that humbly recognizes the fact that we have a forgiveness that we were not owed. So because we have a forgiveness that we were not owed from the Holy God through His Son, uh, we must freely forgive. So we must be in a place, we must be in a heart posture, and we should let people know that we're in a heart posture when we can, uh, that we are ready to and willing to forgive them. That it's it's the same idea. You know, God has His hand outstretched god has his hand outstretched to an obstinate people if they would but repent his hand is outstretched and they would have forgiveness it's it's simply a matter of of confessing and forsaking it uh, our sin and we have mercy 
And so we want to communicate that to people and allow them to, to see the reality of, of who God is and what he's offered us in his son. But that's different than forgiveness uh, because forgiveness uh, by its nature, I think, necessitates a, a reconciliation. And if there's not repentance sought on that's one end, then there can't be a reconciliation. That's right. Yeah, I think what you said is helpful because it's only possible to be in that position of readiness to forgive if you're free from bitterness, because bitterness is going to lock you up into a refusal to forgive. And it also highlights the fact that though uh, we, we took the position of, no, you don't have to forgive everybody, which sounds like, okay, these guys are arguing for an easier thing than what some others might argue. So no, if you've been wronged, if you've been sinned against, uh, you know, even if we're advocating, you don't owe forgiveness until the moment it's sought and then you owe it. That's not easy. We're talking about something that's impossible apart from God having worked grace in us by forgiving us and growing us in our knowledge and understanding of what that has meant for us. Uh, you know, it's, it's real easy and it's real natural to stew in bitterness for however long, you know, between the sin that's committed against you and whenever that that individual is going to seek forgiveness and that uh, yeah, that, that heart condition has to be killed as soon as you see some bitterness springing up. And that's what puts you in a position of being free uh, to forgive. And it's only, you're only able to root that up by, you know, to go back to, to our Owen reference, you know, by looking at Jesus. So you look at Jesus, it's that weed killer for bitterness and then you're ready if and when forgiveness is sought. That's right. I think another parallel to draw it out even more for people who may be hearing this for the first time would be to think about how we operate in church discipline in our in our churches if we're doing that faithfully. When when yep. somebody fails to when somebody's in sin, our job is to confront them. If they're unwilling to receive a rebuke there, we bring two or three witnesses. If they're still unwilling to receive that, we take the matter to the church. And if they will not repent when the church pleads with them, we're to treat them as a tax collector or a Gentile. We're not to offer them forgiveness because what's happening in church discipline is we're mirroring for them as best we can in accordance with the word of God, what their relationship with God is. You're being That's cut right. off from the body of Christ. So if you refuse, yep. if you refuse to repent, you will not have the communion of the saints. You will not have the Lord's Supper. And that is to communicate to you that you are in danger of hellfire. If you continue on yeah. this trajectory, if you do not repent, hell is your lot. That's, that's what we're saying in church discipline. And so if you were to offer forgiveness, this, this free forgiveness before that, what are you saying about this person standing with God? Yeah, you are speaking an untruth. Yep. So that was that was my main some of my main thoughts on the on the positive end of things. I wanted to bring in uh, a couple other scriptures to try to deal with any any potential obstacles to what we've presented. Unless you had Real any quick. other positive stuff you wanted to mention. Yeah. One, I just saw a shooting star. Crazy. Two. Uh, yeah. Uh, two. You know, on the flip flip side of that, you see. You know, some guy has done something, whether it's the first Corinthians dude or not. But in second Corinthians, that he has been put out of the church by a majority. And Paul says, bring him back in. 
And, and so you see there the church having put a guy out uh, out of love for God, love for Christ, his church, uh, and even love for that man by speaking the truth to him about judgment. Uh, in love, longs to see him reconciled and then gladly brings him back in upon his repentance. It's, it's not like a church harbors, harbors, right. but I, I actually saw this for, for all of the, uh, for all the problems I have with Capitol Hill Baptist church uh, and its promotion of critical race theory and black lives matter. It's harboring of men who are teaching those lies. And when I was there, a man was brought before uh, the membership at a members meeting and he got up and, and tearfully confessed having, uh, you know, in years past stolen uh, money from a number of members. And he had been excommunicated for that. There's a neighborhood dog fight. I hope it's not picking up on the audio too bad. He'd been forgiven for that. Or, cool. uh, excommunicated. And uh, yeah, and then he's standing there seeking forgiveness. They, they put him outside of the room. Uh, it's put to a vote whether or not the church is going to forgive him and welcome him back. And the church unanimously brings him back in, gladly brings him back in. That's amazing. And it's a great picture of exactly what the Bible calls us to. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to, you have to remain in that heart posture, ready to receive anyone who's uh, seeking, seeking reconciliation, seeking forgiveness. Uh, 100%. Sorry. Uh, I was yeah, hundred percent. One uh, one potential pushback, or at least something that might be helpful to to think about or to deal with. Uh, Jesus on the cross, he says, "Father, forgive them; they know not what they do." Uh, this is something that somebody yeah. might push back on, saying, uh, "It really seems like Jesus is minimally pleading with the Father that uh, forgiveness be given to these people who have not asked for it." Uh, and so, just walk walk me through how you understand that passage in light of what we're talking about. Uh, is this prayer effectual for Jesus? Is this something maybe? Uh, to those who eventually would uh, be forgiven, uh, is it not an effectual prayer? And if you know, just kind of flesh flesh out some of that if you if you can as much as you want. Yeah, that this is the the verse that I uh, was going to bring up earlier. It's the uh, I found out when I was in Scotland. I was listening to the Dividing Line with Jimmy White, and uh, yeah, this is the verse that he he was arguing wasn't uh, scripture. So that's fun. I think it's Bible. Because, uh, I mean, just look at it. Uh, it is the way it is. And would you just look at it? But looking at it, uh, I think what we have here, because, I mean, to be frank, you, you, see, you see a Roman soldier who at least is having a moment. I mean, whatever we want to conclude about that moment, he looks at Jesus and he says, this truly is the son of God. Yeah, it's a pretty good moment. Uh, I hope I meet that guy in heaven. Uh, but you have a large crowd who murders Jesus. Later, we see Peter condemning them at Pentecost for committing the greatest crime, you know, ever committed in history. Um, and a number of them repent. 3,000 in a day added to the church, but uh, in the same breath, a number of them refuse to repent. So much so, markedly so, Jer Jerusalem, as a as a people having murdered Christ, uh, is so unrepentant for that that you know some forty years later Christ comes back and 
fills the streets of Jerusalem with blood up to your knees and brings his, he comes in wrath against Jerusalem. And, and so the very man on the cross praying that prayer would 40 years later come and do violence against these people. So how do I put those two realities together? And, uh, my understanding is that he is asking uh, that God would be merciful on these people before them and bring them to salvation and uh, forgive any and every one of them they would ask for it, even though they were killing the father's very son, even killing his own son. The son pleads that the father would freely forgive them if they would but ask for it. And, uh, and I think that's what we see going back to, to Peter's sermon, 3,000 added to the church uh, and the church continued to grow daily with men and women guilty for the murder of Christ, seeking forgiveness from the father and receiving it in answer to Jesus' prayer on the cross. Let me see. By the way, there's a hot rod in my neighborhood that is doing laps, and uh, so that's gonna be fun. To pick I haven't up heard yeah, I do too. hear the dogs a little bit, but I haven't heard the the hot rod. Yeah, it's just going back and forth. They're fun to drive. I drove one the other day, but uh, it is loud. Well, that that explanation makes a lot of sense to me, and I think even just thinking about a prayer for uh, the Father to uh, forgive uh, does not neglect or separate forgiveness from repentance. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really, uh, there's not much of a hang up there, I guess in, you know, that's, that's a prayer I pray for. I would, I could pray for my family and that would be a, a fine prayer, uh, in, in asking for God to forgive someone. You're not necessarily separating that from repentance. It's, it's also not the only qualified prayer we have from Jesus because earlier, uh, you know, in the same part of the story uh in the garden of gethsemane he's saying you know father let this cup pass from me uh but if it's your will right then let's go right ahead right so uh you have a qualified prayer it doesn't in any way question jesus's wisdom or goodness or perfection or divinity to have a qualified prayer from him lord if if they would seek forgiveness Right. Give it to them. Be merciful to people who are committing the biggest evil that anyone will ever commit. That's right. So, yeah, in, in summary on that, you know, fight, fight bitterness tooth and nail. Always be willing to forgive and preach a sufficient gospel that tells people of the forgiveness freely offered in Christ. But do not give uh, false hope to uh, a person in your church who is uh, potentially going to be excommunicated. Do not, do not extend to them quote unquote forgiveness. That's no forgiveness at all. And understand that forgiveness is, is tightly linked biblically to reconciliation. Forgiveness is tied to reconciliation, which means you need, uh, two parties doing something together. Uh, we confess and forsake our sins and God freely forgives us of our, of our wrongs against him through uh, the blood of his son. And then in, man-to-man relation 
a man seeks for forgiveness, apologizes, repents, and another man who has been freely forgiven by God in Christ must forgive in return. Yeah, and you know, you could, well, that's a good summary. (laughs) Illustrate twice. Oh, if some guy were to, you know, uh, if that gay guy, if that homo from from Planned Parenthood would ever follow you home, right? First of all, that'd be a very unwise life choice for him. Let's say he follows you home and intends to do, you know, violence to your family, right? And uh, still has no shirt on just short shorts you know he comes in you know into your space onto your property to do violence to your family and uh are we really going to say that as you're doing violence to him you're forgiving him <laughs> no it's you're not gonna, you know, unless he says you know what actually i'm sorry please forgive me you know because any guy advocating for forgiveness with no qualification if he's worth his salt, is going to do violence to that guy, you know, to the max if it if it goes there, right? So at what point right. did you forgive him? Afterward? Well, that's not very relevant because <laughs> he's not there. Now we're it doesn't do him any good. We're just talking about bitterness at that point. We're not talking about forgiveness because right. they're not synonyms. Uh, so you know, if you if you take an example like that, yeah, it kind of exactly shows right. the that's point. It's a good point. It's not possible. It's just not possible while you're right. shooting the guy. It's possible when he stops and says, I'm really sorry. And you stop from then shooting him afterwards. <laughs> right. The gospel That's what is it means. a message of forgiveness for sins. And Paul summarizes that as a gospel of reconciliation. And with that, we come to the close of this episode. Sean and I uh, intended to answer some listener questions. We had a really good one on whether women could write uh, children's books. Do we have any exceptions to our teaching on fruitfulness? And how should women interact with men in evangelistic situations, both on the street and at work? Unfortunately, recording does not always work smoothly when you're in different states and from the desert. And so uh, we, we end the episode here with our consideration of how Christians should never forgive, never forget. And with that, go with God. Cross me.